Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. What's going on, MD Nation? This is your man, Dan Mater. And before we get to the show, I want to talk to you about a very special sponsor to us. They are going to be presenting today's episode called The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring the peace of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off of their purchase by using the promo code 15 off. Just go to thegallery.com. That's T H E G A L R Y.com. So your wall will never look boring again. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, everybody, to the MD's fantasy football show, Thursday edition. Kicking, not kicking it off, key, maintaining our two-weekend episode podcast now, which will be going up to four as soon as that season starts. Cannot wait for that. But today's episode is going to be a half-point PPR mock on Draft Wizards. So we can kind of head and walk you through and teach you where the zag, where everybody else zigs in your draft using the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings. We're super excited about all of that. And tomorrow's episode, of course, will be the Best five, bus five, sleeper five of the wide receiver position. And we'll be doing a mailbag segment. And if you want to get on the mailbag segment for that show or any other show at any other given time, just go to the MD Nation hotline. You can call 609-362-2480. Leave a voicemail. We'll get your voice on the show. You'll hear it live from here. Well, not live, but you'll hear it recorded from here. And we'll answer your question, comment, and even respond if you just have a rant that you want to go off on. Or... Just contact us on social media on Twitter or on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow or email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Any one of those ways you can get on the show or if your question does not get selected to come onto the show, it will still be answered by me. You will get feedback. You will get stats. You will get evidence to back up what it is I have to say in hopes to help you out and in hopes that it will be very helpful for you to move forward and hopefully would bring you a couple extra wins that maybe it would not have otherwise. So we got that going on. Uh, yeah, like today is today's a real simple episode because it's it's just a mock draft. We're going to walk through a 16-round, half-point PPR, 12-man league mock draft. We did a randomized order. We actually wound up 
with pick number two in this one. So we're going to walk you through all of that and kind of just go through it a little by little so that way you guys know exactly what you're getting yourselves into and we can talk about some of these players that are falling in different rounds and different values to go after. So let's buckle your seatbelts. Here it comes. This is going to move fast because these mock drafts, do not mess around. So let's go ahead, dive in, and take a look. So right off the bat, like I said, we had the number two pick. And that means, of course, Christian McCaffrey is going to be coming off the board. Now, here is the difference between me and pretty much everybody else in the industry right now. When it comes to half-point leagues, when it comes to full-point PPR leagues, for that matter, as we switch you over here to our rankings real quick, we have Alvin Kamara as the number two player overall in Half-point leagues. That's right. Alvin Kamara, not Ezekiel Elliott, not Saquon Barkley, not Dalvin Cook. Alvin Kamara. And the reason for that is, the big reason for that is because, look, coming off of his injury, all the reports in training camp are he's 100% healthy. That's number one. We found out earlier this summer, or earlier this month, I should say, that he was not just dealing with an ankle issue. He was dealing with a severe knee injury that he kind of played through all throughout the season. To me, in my mind, Alvin Kamara already did not look like himself last year anyway. I'm willing to wrap up last year to a ball, throw it out, and we're going to go into Alvin Kamara being fresh like he was for the last two years. I think there's a very good chance that he gets over that 200 carry hump going into this season, that he has not gone over that threshold yet in his career. I do think he gets over that this season. Because this Saints offense will be very good, he's going to have excellent scoring opportunities every single week, and he's going to get in double to the touchdowns. Between rushing, between receiving, he might get double to the touchdowns just rushing the ball, let alone what he'll give you receiving the ball. His floor is so high because of how involved he is in both facets of the game that even though he doesn't get the volume of Ezekiel Elliott or the volume of a Saquon Barkley, or even the volume of a Dalvin Cook for that matter, because of the way they utilize him, because of his skill set, because of that offense, he has one of the highest floors out of anybody. And if he just gets a little bit more volume, which I think there's a very good chance he could be in store for this season, he has a ceiling that we have not seen yet. That's my big key with Alvin Kamara. We've seen Saquon Barkley's ceiling in his rookie season. Not to say that he can't finish an RB1. That's not what I'm saying by his ceiling. But we've seen him play at his peak. We've seen him play at his best. We've seen the best out of Ezekiel Elliott. We've seen the best last year out of Dalvin Cook. We have not seen the best out of Alvin Kamara yet as far as his play as on the NFL level or even on the fantasy football level. And that is why I love Alvin Kamara as much as I do. It's why I have him number two. I'm not worried about the injuries at all. Moving forward, if you're worried about Kamara's injury, then you should, be, you should be worried about Saquon Barkley's injury, which nobody else seems to be. So we are going to be going Alvin Kamara with our number two pick. And 0% of the experts agree, and I'm fine with that. And I'm actually, I'm more than fine with that. I'm happy about that because that means my board is going to get me the players that I want and hopefully will be able to, like I said, give you a different perspective and put you in position to take advantage of that. Now, obviously coming back, we wind up with a late pick in the second round. And I didn't switch this over. <laughs> you guys are watching on the video. I'm switching you back over to the mock draft. Just give me one second. There we go. So that way you can kind of see what's going on here. Okay. So now after that, of course, a slew of players come off the board. Notably, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. More and more Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going in the first round. I don't agree with it. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know why I've talked about this extensively. We're not going to get into it in today's pod. We may mention it again a couple of times before the season actually starts, possibly before your drafts are starting. Uh, but we're going to kind of leave that alone for now. But I do want to point that out. He is rising up more and more and going in the first round more and more. Uh, obviously, guys like Derek Henry and Kenny Drake, Devontae Adams, and Joe Mixon came off the board. Surprise here. Now, of course, we're, we're playing against uh, computer-simulated players, which have different levels of expertise to try to mock what your home draft might bring you in some, in some degree. They wound up having Lamar Jackson go here with the first-round pick. I don't anticipate that happening in many drafts, but just a very surprising little maneuver here that's happened in this mock draft. Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, Josh Jacobs, Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey, Kenny Galladay, Austin Eckler all came off the board in the second round, and now it's up to our pick here with the 11th pick in the second round. Now we take a look at all those players off the board. We switch over here, come back to the rankings. What do we have left on the board? Well, let's go ahead and take a look. 
Now, like I said, the big one here, Joe Mixon's gone. He's been falling a little bit more and more. I've been loving him a lot. Kind of hoping he was going to fall there as he kind of comes back, but not going to happen. Now, if you look at these rankings, you will see that in this situation, we have Todd Gurley ranked number 13 overall. Again, another move that is not something that a lot of people agree with. And I've talked extensively about Todd Gurley. It's another name that I don't necessarily want to get into too much right here, right now with you guys. Uh, but that is our pick when we get into this this late position in the second round. Remember, this year's draft, I don't care if you're standard, I don't care if you're half point, I don't care if you're full point PPR scoring format, I don't care if you're super flex, I don't care if you're IDP, whatever the case may be. This year's draft, your strategy needs to be the pound running back early. Whatever form that takes, you have to pound running back early. And for me, I'm looking at it as the first four rounds. Even if you're in a league that doesn't have double flexes and you can't play four running backs right off the bat, after those first four rounds, the running back's cliff drops off drastically because then suddenly you find yourself in situations where you have to take platoons. You have to take pieces of committees. And that's something I don't want to have to do, especially when given the receiver value that's going to be there for you later on in your draft classes. I don't think there's any point in doing that. None whatsoever. So for me, if I pound running back early, I'm going to be able to have the depth at running back. I'm going to have top running backs, guys I know who are going to get the majority of the work, and I'll still be able to wind up with receivers that I love on the other side. And that's what I'm aiming to do. That's what I want you guys to do. That is going to be the championship formula. Now, obviously, once again, like I said a million times before, your only strategy should truly be when you're going into your drafts to draft for value. So if you have somebody like a Tyreek Hill, for instance, falling falling to you in the third round, which has happened because a lot of people are drafting running backs so heavily so early, then yes, you pull the trigger in that instance. You always draft for value. You always see how your draft falls. But if there's one strategy they're going to go into with that's outside of just value drafting, it's going to be keeping your eyes on the running back. And if it's a running back and receiver that have similar value or the same value, or maybe the receiver only has a little bit more value than that running back does, it may be more worth it to pull the trigger on a running back. Just a kind of little quick tidbit to try to give you guys the best possible advice that I possibly can. So here we go. We're going to take Todd Gurley here in the second round. Late second round, we're going to be able to come back and pretty much be able to get who we want. Now, here's what I will say. We're actually not going to take him because I do want to make sure you guys are drafting smart in this instance. Because Todd Gurley is ranked where he is, which is down in that fourth tier, which is down in that third, fourth round territory, there's no reason to take him here, especially when we know that we are going to get an early third round pick. So he's probably going to be there with the third round pick. So we're actually not going to go Todd Gurley in this instance. We're going to try to get ahead of the curve. We're going to try to get ahead of that back-to-back that's going to be coming up in front of us. And instead, we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger on. I want to say Aaron Jones, but let me double check the rankings here real quick. Yes, we're going to be pulling the trigger on Aaron Jones in this situation. And then, most likely, we're going to wind up with Todd Gurley, who is the number 13 player overall for MD's Fantasy Football Show, with that next pick. So we pull the trigger on Aaron Jones. Come back. Yep. Todd Gurley is on the board, who is actually ranked ahead. Now, while I don't necessarily want to get into Todd Gurley, because I've talked about him a lot over the past few weeks, I will talk about why we have him ahead of Aaron Jones in this instance, since we we do we do have uh, him ahead of him there, and we can kind of do a, a side-by-side comparison with these two. Now, the reason for this is that I think a lot of people should be cooling on Aaron Jones quite a bit. Now, I'm fine with him with where we took him here because we took him in the late second round, and I'm fine with him there. There's absolutely no reason to be upset with that pick whatsoever. But it's the early second round territory or the people who still believe that he belongs in the first round, not many of them, but some who do, that really need to cool it on Aaron Jones. The biggest reason being, of course, that we keep hearing how much hype out of A.J. Dillon. Now, I don't know how much A.J. Dillon is actually going to play this season. He's one of those guys who might be getting a lot of hype, but then never actually winds up seeing the field a significant amount because you still have Aaron Jones, you still have Jamal Williams. I don't know where A.J. Dillon fits in. I mean, you're not going to take Aaron Jones out in the goal line, are you? We know Aaron Rodgers is a big fan of Aaron Jones. You're not going to be taking him out in passing down situations. It's not A.J. Dillon's thing to do anyway. I do think Jamal Williams is still going to be involved in this offense as the main number two back. So if A.J. Dillon's the third string, 
I don't know how much he's really going to play this rookie season, but it does concern me that Matt LaFleur seems so infatuated, that the, the, the Green Bay front office seems so infatuated with A.J. Dillon that he may find himself on the field more than he deserves to. And if that happens, all of a sudden everything goes off the rails for the running backs. Now, in Aaron Jones in particular, even if there was no A.J. Dillon to factor in, He's not going to score 19 touchdowns again next season. This is not going to happen. Will he get in double digits? Yeah. I, we, I, we fully expect him to get in the double-digit touchdowns uh, next year. But 19, that's asking for a lot. And remember how many games Aaron Jones was hit or miss? He was the ultimate boomer bust guy last year. There wasn't really a lot of consistency from a week-to-week basis. It would be an every-other-week type of situation, maybe once every two weeks, where he would go off and you get three touchdowns in a game. But then all of a sudden, the following week, because he wasn't a guy who consistently got 100 yards, you're left holding, you know, twiddling your thumbs, looking for your RB1. Where was your production at? So he's not on that RB1 level of every single week. I know I'm going to get double-digit fantasy points out of you and close to 20 points, if not more. He's not on that level, but he is a guy who can put your team over the top, which is why I think he is a very valuable RB2, which is what he winds up being for us in this situation. I feel very good about having an Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. But that's just it. You have to share the backfield with Jamal Williams. You have to share the backfield with A.J. Dillon. So to go back to the original point of this rant, of this analysis, of why we have Todd Gurley ahead of him, I'm going to keep reiterating it. Todd Gurley has nothing to lose. The Falcons have nothing to lose. There's no reason to not give Todd Gurley the ball as much as they humanly want to. He did not miss any time last year due to his knee injury, even though we had the same narrative where he's done, he's washed up, his knee, he's not going to be able to play all season long. He played 15 out of 16 games and missed one because of a quad bruise. He's going to be more involved in the passing game. The Falcons will actually throw him the ball. I don't know what was happening with the Rams' offense last season, but that was not the Rams' offense that we saw. If the Atlanta offense continues to stay the same, which I don't see why they wouldn't be, I've just watched what they did with Devontae Freeman last season, then Todd Gurley should be good to go. And as long as he's more involved in the passing game, which has traditionally been his game, to be involved in both facets of the game is what gave him such a high floor to begin with. Well, you're talking about a guy who finishes a high-end RB2, and should be in line for more volume. So why wouldn't he be able to finish as a low-end RB1 or maintain his high-end RB2 status? And somebody, as we all know, finds a way, no matter what kind of crappy season he's having or what going, what's going on around him, finds a way to somehow get in the end zone double the times almost every single year in his career. Almost every single year in his career. So that's why Todd Gurley is a little bit ahead of us. But also, this is where this is a good key pivotal moment Play the ADP game in certain situations. Know what pick you have. Know what pick you're going to have in the next round. Have the ADP of whatever format you're playing on, whether it's ESPN, Yahoo, whoever, Fantasy Pros, MFL, million formats out there. But make sure you have the ADP for those particular formats. So that way you know in situations like this, where we're about to take Cod Gurley because he was the highest ranked on our board, I said, no, hold on, actually, let's take the other guy who we have maybe a little bit lower, but we know if we get him here, we're definitely going to get our guy we have higher on the next round because of just where his ADP falls and he's not valued there. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And this is where having these rankings or this is where having your own list of rankings of guys that you like comes in really handy because suddenly you find yourself in a situation where your team could be even better than you imagined it because you're getting the guys you want and guys who are really good that you weren't expecting to get because you're playing the ADP game. So just another little tidbit for your draft strategies. Now, as we get back to the draft, we didn't actually 
pulled the trigger on Todd Gurley yet because I want to make sure I gave you guys my analysis before our next pick came up. Now we're heading into the fourth round, and this is not a double flex mock that we're doing. This is a situation where we have you know two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a flex play, one flex play, a defense, and a kicker. We are going to be drafting that. Seven bench spots. We're doing a 16-round mock draft here. So even though we can't play four running backs at once... I'm still going to be contemplating it here. And we are going to pull the trigger here on a fourth running back. Because the way I look at it is always, 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 if you can play a running back in that flex spot, you're always at a advantage to begin with. But as I've said, once you get past that fourth and fifth round, there is a cliff at the running back position, and then there's a ton of wide receivers who have great value right there. And if you're looking at our rankings which you're not at the moment on the video stream because I still have the mock draft up in front of you that you're looking at. If you look at our rankings, you will see that we have Le'Veon Bell only a couple slots down below Gurley. Now, I know there's been some... I've talked a lot about Le'Veon Bell as well, but there's been some new reports about that situation in general that they're going to look to keep Le'Veon a little bit more fresh with Frank Gore, which makes zero sense. Classic Adam Gase thinking. Let's get the best player clearly on our team the ball less times to stay fresh for no reason because the Jets aren't going to win many games this year. And we're going to keep him fresh with the ancient man himself and Frank Gore. The rolling tumbleweed of disaster Frank Gore. That's how we're going to make sure he stays fresh. It makes no sense at the end of the day. It makes no sense. I don't see it happening, even if it does. Let's say Frank Gore gets about eight carries a game, which I think is the most that he would probably get, but let's let's say he gets about eight carries a game. You still have the fact that Le'Veon Bell is going to be getting so much work, still going to be getting at least 15 carries a game, and then the receptions on top of it, there's still not a running back in that backfield, whether it's Frank Gore or Michael Pirine, who is nearly the 10th, of talent of Le'Veon Bell when it comes to receiving out of the backfield. Something Sam Darnold's going to need a lot of because your number one receiver is your slot guy in Jamison Crowder. So, yeah, you're going to be just fine giving Le'Veon Bell the ball almost as much as he did last season. The big key is Makai Becton. The big key is that offensive line in general improving a little bit from what it was last season. But Makai Becton's the big key of that. Already been raved about how he's blowing people off the line. Finally giving Le'Veon Bell lanes to run through. Finally giving him a chance to get to the line of scrimmage and not actually get hit right away. That's the key. That offensive line has improved, especially behind Makai Becton. And Le'Veon Bell actually has lanes to run through this year on top of the volume that he should have. Well, his touchdown should raise up. His yards per carry should raise up. And this was a guy who, especially half-point, full-point PPR leagues, finished as a solid RB2. Not a lot of people want to give him credit for that because it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the means, but he did finish as a solid RB2. And again, kind of like Todd Gurley, where if just a couple of things go a little bit better for you efficiency-wise, there's, there's no reason to think that you can't somehow... Become a high-end RB2. I was going to say a low-end RB1. I don't think Le'Veon can quite get there unless he shocks us all with a crazy amount of touchdowns that nobody's really anticipating. But his volume could get him there. So we're going to take Le'Veon Bell here. And this offers us an insurance policy if something does happen to Todd Gurley or if Aaron Jones is struggling with getting consistent touches for whatever reason. Now we have an insurance policy, and now we have four running backs as the core of this team. We're always going to be able to play three of them because none of them have the same bye week. You know, Of course, we're, we're, we're calculating no injuries when we're looking at this in a hypothetical sense. And that's going to be a strong core of this team. So I like what we have so far. Now, of course, is where we're going to start looking at receivers. We're going to start looking at quarterbacks. And we have that, you know, that top-end pick in the fifth round. So let's see what's on the board. We have guys like Terry McLaurin and Cortland Sutton. Keenan Allen's there. DK Metcalf's there. Devontae Parker's there. Those are the guys available amongst the top as far as the draft goes. But let's switch over and see what we have in our rankings. And see if that matches up. Or see if we have a value pick here that we like more. And I'm actually just going to go ahead and we're going to skip to the wide receiver rankings because we know we have to go wide receiver in this instance. 
because we already have our four strong running backs. If you don't, if you don't take your wide receiver one here in the fifth round, then it becomes a little bit questionable where you're going to be playing matchup based wide receiver twos. This, this is where you can still get a low end potential wide receiver one in that fifth round. It's after this that you're not going to be able to really do that. So that's what you have to kind of keep in mind. So I'm showing you the receiver list, and of the guys that we mentioned that were still available, we have Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver 12. Trying to scroll down here to see where he is on the overall so we can give you a good idea. We have him as the 35th player overall. Cortland Sutton had a great year. He was excellent with subpar quarterback play. So even if you're worried about Drew Locke, which I am, because of Pat Shermer, because of that offensive weapons, and because that offense in general, even in spite of Drew Locke, should be pretty decent. Especially with that system in place with Pat Shermer. He makes up for a lot of what I'd be worried about with Drew Locke in the first place. I mean, Sutton showed us all last year that he is a budding superstar in his league. The additions of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and the and Melvin Gordon... If, if nothing else, should take t- attention away from Cortland Sutton. Will it distribute some targets to other places? Sure, but Sutton is still going to be hands down that number one wide receiver. So I'm not worried about his targets at the end of the day. And just to kind of give you an idea here, we have Cortland Sutton for about 138 targets, even with all of those guys coming in to factor in. We have him for 1,100 yards. We have him for about seven, seven touchdowns. You know who that's similar to? That's similar to where we think DeAndre Hopkins is going to wind up. So we're getting a guy that we think might perform similar to DeAndre Hopkins statistically-wise in the fifth round. So we go here and we take Cortland Sutton. Now coming up the board, now we're back to, where are we going to look for a receiver again? Yeah. Looking for a receiver if there's a tight end we really like, we're going to contemplate it. We're also going to contemplate quarterback here if there's one we really like too. But the only quarterback that I would contemplate in the sixth round is Dak Prescott. Obviously, you know, assuming Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are off the board before the sixth round, which they always are. The guy I do think has a chance to really truly challenge them will be Dak Prescott this season. So when we're in the sixth round, that's where I would consider him. But in this mock draft, he already went off the board. I definitely saw him go off the board. I thought I saw him go off the board. Yeah. He went off the board in the sixth, early in the sixth round in, in this particular draft. But I would consider him here. That's about the highs I'd probably go for a quarterback. Because after Dak, I think a lot of the guys are pretty similar to each other. A lot of the guys left in the top 12, I think, are pretty similar to each other. So once we get out of the sixth round, and if I don't have Dak Prescott or Patrick Holmes or Lamar Jackson by then, I'm probably going to wait for a quarterback at that point. Because there's going to be a ton of value you're going to be able to find later on. So kind of just to give you guys a tidbit there. Now, this is an interesting scenario that we have on our hands. So we have four running backs. We're still you know, in need of a wide receiver, obviously. But some of the top guys on the board, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, according to the DMOC draft anyway, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, A.J. Green, Evan Ingram, Josh Allen, Marquise Brown. And of those guys trying to find it here to make sure I confirm it for you, but I'm pretty sure I have Kareem Hunt the highest of those guys. No, I don't, actually. I have A.J. Green, which is where we were going to go anyway with the pick, so that's, that works out well. We have A.J. Green a little bit higher. We've talked about A.J. Green on this show, too. We all know the deal with A.J. Green. Great if he's on the field. Obviously, if he's not, then he's not. I do want to talk a little bit about, because we got to bring him up here with Kareem Hunt. Now, they're you know Nick Chubb's going through concussion protocol. I being that there's still a month till the season starts, I don't think anybody's actually concerned that Nick Chubb will miss week one. So that that's that's number one thing as far as that goes. But Kareem Hunt is getting raved about as looking as his 2017 self. He's a guy who's been sitting in on wide receiver meetings. He's a guy who is basically trying to get his second life in the NFL. He's a guy who we know is too good just to be a backup, which is a big reason why we're a lot lower here on Nick Chubb on this show than most. That's why we have him ranked maybe early third round, late second round, rather than the early second round that most people do because we know Kareem Hunt's going to factor in more than just being a backup. Stefanski's not going to run Nick Chubb the way he ran Dalvin Cook, where he gave Dalvin Cook 20 carries and gave him about five to seven targets a game and just let him be the man. It's not going to be Nick Chubb. 
especially when it comes to the passing game. He might have a chance to get those high carry numbers, probably not quite as high, but he has a chance to get those high carry numbers that you're looking for. But he's not going to be involved in the past. He hasn't been. There's Everybody goes back to, well, it's a different coaching regime. It's been a different coaching regime every single year in the NFL for Nick Chubb in his career so far. Why would this be any different? Kareem Hunt is too good just to have as a backup. And because he is better than... I don't think Nick Chubb is a scrub at catching the ball. I think he could catch the ball more if he's put in those situations. But because Kareem Hunt is definitely better, and because you have to get him involved in the game somehow, and because it's going to be a run-first team anyway, which should open up the door to use Kareem Hunt a bit more, I don't see how Nick Chubb can be ranked as high as he is, but Kareem Hunt has to come up boards. Kareem Hunt is a guy that you can play in the flex week in and week out. And honestly, if I wound up with Nick Chubb, Early on in my drafts in the second, third round, which probably won't happen because of where I have him ranked personally. Uh, and just to give you guys a quick, you know, make sure you guys know for sure where we have him ranked at. We have him at running back 16. So I'm probably not going to wind up with Nick Chubb. But if I was to, well, I'm telling you right now that I'm definitely going to be looking to take Kareem Hunt later on. Without a doubt. Because Kareem Hunt is going to, if I can play Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and just capitalize on that Cleveland Browns rushing attack of what it's going to be like this year with Stefanski and some of the improvements they made on the offensive line. And I expect that Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Baker Mayfield will fit better into this offense, at least from an efficiency standpoint, if nothing else. I want that backfield. I don't want just Nick Chubb. I don't want just Kareem Hunt. I want both. That's what I would be looking to do if I wound up with Nick Chubb early on. So just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a tidbit you know, there, if you were thinking about that. But we go A.J. Green here. We need another receiver anyway. And this is a good point. We have a good core of the team. We have our guy that we're going to depend on being the wide receiver one in Cortland Sutton. And then we go with a guy like A.J. Green, who we know has wide receiver one capabilities if he's on the field. And he'll be our wide receiver two. So this is the perfect place to take a chance on A.J. Green late in the sixth round. You're really not giving much up. You're really not risking much taking him here. And that's why I'm big on taking green, taking green here uh, this year. Because he's really valued perfectly where he's going. And it makes it very, very intriguing. Now we come back. We get the early pick in the seventh round. We have our two receivers. Remember, this is a two-receiver, two-running back with one flex. So we can go any direction we want to here. We can get another insurance policy at wide receiver. We can get a tight end if we wanted to. We still have quarterback on the board, but we're still not going to go quarterback yet in the seventh round. And we're, I'll tell you what we are. Gonna, we're going to go with the guy that I just talked up. We're going to go with Kareem Hunt because he's still on the board here. And yeah, we're going to take our fifth running back. And if you give me Kareem Hunt and Todd, I, I, mean, I feel like I'm destroying this draft. I mean, if you, you're going to give me Kareem Hunt and Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones and Cor- uh, Cortland Sutton. And Alvin Kamara, my first round pick, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm going to feel pretty good at running back. And if nothing else, I'm going to have trade pieces. That's something else that I need to talk to you guys about as well. If you listen to any fantasy football podcast, they're all going to tell you the same thing. And it's, it's good advice, and it's true. You are not going to win your league at the draft. It's not going to happen. Your roster that you walk away with after draft day will be significantly changed come at the end of the season, even if you're the championship winner. Now, I think if you've been playing fantasy football for a while that you understand that. But there's a lot of people who get hung up on their drafts, how they did, because they walk out of that draft with this idea, this is going to be my team for the year. No, you're going to have injuries, you're going to have waiver wire pickups, but most importantly, what I think a lot gets washed over, not amongst the experts, of course, but in a lot of home drafts, a lot of people, because they get nervous, it seems like, with their teams, is trades. Trades are pivotal for finding ways to better your team throughout the season and getting key players in pivotal situations in your season to be able to take that next step, to be able to win. Trades are pivotal. And in order to make trades, you have to have assets. And the best asset that you can have is being deep at running back. Because if you're deep at running back and you can spare a good running back in a trade... You can pretty much get anything you're looking for. You can get a high-end wide receiver, too. You can get a lockdown quarterback if you need to. You can get a top-five tight end if you need to. You can pretty much get whatever it is that you wind up finding yourself needing. 
which is why when we're taking running backs here this early, especially in this draft, is it's not just, you know, yes, we're not going to be able to play them all, and it's not just to give us depth. It's to give us assets. So now I find myself in a situation where A.J. Green gets hurt week two, and I don't have a great wide receiver too. Well, I can offer up a Kareem Hunt, a Le'Veon Bell, a Todd Gurley, and pick and choose what wide receiver I basically want because if I have all those running backs, I can guarantee you there's a team out there that's going to be hurting for running back, but it's going to have a good amount of wide receivers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a so always make sure that you're drafting value for that reason because if you wind up with assets then you can pick and choose what team you want to get around you as the season wears on and we have kareem hunt ranked here at the highest of all of our guys that are available now at this point I honestly thought he was going to go in that back-to-back. I'm a little bit excited and uh, surprised at the same time. So, yeah, we're definitely going Kareem Hunt here. Now, it's going to be a while before we pick again. We're going to see some guys come off. Marvin Jones, Michael Gallup, Carson Wentz, Marquise Brown, Devin Singletary finally comes off the board. And now we're, you know, we're going into the eighth round. We have two receivers. we got five running backs. I still feel like we can go in any direction we want to. I still feel like we can go with best value available. But remember, we need a tight end. And at this pick in the eighth round, that we've kind of, we definitely secured running back. We have an idea of what we're going to do at receiver. There's still a lot of value at receiver if we wait another round. And we still have that next pick here. So what I'm leading, I'm teeing this up to say, basically, as we switch you over here to the rankings so you can kind of take a look is that Evan Ingram is going to be my pick now that we are, you know, we're in a tight end league. Now, I'm in a lot of leagues where tight ends have kind of morphed into wide receivers. And I have Hayden Hurst actually ranked a little bit ahead of Evan uh, Evan Ingram. But I could probably get Hayden Hurst later on in this draft, most likely, unless I miss something. Actually, I think I missed something. Ha! Huh. I think Hayden Hurst actually went early. Yeah, so I have Hayden Hurst ranked pretty high. And I want to talk about him a little bit now that I have the floor with that. It's really surprising. He did not go yet. He's still on the board. So that's that's actually the way we're going to go. We're going to go with Hayden Hurst here for our tight end position here in the eighth round. Now, what's, what I was going to lead into saying this is Hayden Hurst is a guy that befuddles me as far as the industry goes, as far as where people's heads are at. He's one of the favorite sleepers of everybody out there. Everyone knows what Austin Hooper was able to accomplish last year in this same offense. Everyone knows that Hayden Hurst is a better athlete, a better blocker, really a better all-around tight end, and younger than Austin Hooper is. Everybody knows that Mohamed Sanu is gone from Atlanta, and everybody knows that Russell Gage is not going to command that same amount of targets. That's why everybody is so high on Calvin Ridley this season, taking a big jump up. Who's going to be that third guy? It's going to be Hayden Hurst. He's a guy without a doubt going to be utilized in the red zone. We all know Matt Ryan likes to go to tight end in the red zone, no matter who it is over the years. No matter whether you have Julio or Roddy White or Julio and now Calvin Ridley, it makes no difference whatsoever. He likes to go to that tight end when he has one that he can go to in the red zone, especially. But he went to Austin Hooper all over the place. Julio still got to eat. Calvin Ridley still got to have a good season. So yeah, I don't get why Hayden Hurst is somebody who gets ranked as low as he does, who gets ranked in the double-digit rounds, but everyone knows his value, puts him as a sleeper. How about we just rank him where he should belong? He definitely belongs in front of Evan Ingram, who's the tight end who gets valued here as we switch back to the mock draft. I mean, who do you think is going to play more games this season? Hayden Hurst or Evan Ingram? And while Evan Ingram's athletic ability 
and the fact that they lack red zone targets may lead you to believe that they have a chance to... He would have a chance, I should say, to get to the top four of tight ends this season. And that's true, he does. He has a shot for that to happen. But I trust Hayden Hurst a hell of a lot more to play 16 games. I trust Hayden Hurst's touchdown capabilities as well. And I trust Hayden Hurst's offense a lot more. With Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Todd Gurley. I mean, there's some weapons on the Giants. But they're not going to be pulling up the same numbers as that Falcons offense this season. So I love Hayden Hurst here. He belongs here. And that's what we're going to take. And so we have him ranked one spot ahead of Evan Ingram. I wanted to talk to that fact, too. So now we come back. Look, we're doing pretty good. We need a little depth at wide receiver. Or we have to think about taking a quarterback. But we're not going to go that route. The quarterback route, that is. We're sitting here in the ninth round. I know for a fact that we can wait till the double-digit rounds to get some good value quarterback. Even if that means taking two. Or even if that means we just know we're going to stream. But we're going to get some good value. And I'll show you guys when we get down there. So we're going to look at the wide receivers. What do we have available to us there? And some of the third top guys are Christian Kirk and James Crowder. Christian Kirk is ranked way too high, BTW. Uh, John Brown and Mike Williams and guys like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, all worthy inclusions. Debo Samuel, which we're going to talk about him in tomorrow's episode, so I don't want to go into too much of him here today, but hint, hint, he's ranked a little bit too high here too. Preston Williams, Jalen Rager. These are all the top guys according to the mock draft that we're playing with. So we're getting a, a, an idea for value. Now, what do we have at wide receiver, though? We have Cortland Sutton, who we know is a pretty dependable. Is he a low-end wide receiver? One, more of a high-end wide receiver? Two, yeah. But he's dependable. We know he's going to get targets. We know he's going to get fed on a consistent basis. We have A.J. Green, who we know is going to be a hit or miss at the sixth round. We know we're going to get or he's going to be hurt. So I say what we need here is somebody to be stable to stabilize A.J. Green, somebody who can come in and be able to just hold down the four at that wide receiver two position here. And we'll draft some upside later on. And that leads us to Jamison Crowder, who actually is our top-ranked guy here. He's our 65th player overall. So we're definitely getting him at a value with him following here to the ninth round. As I try to show you my rankings here on the, on the video stream first. So we're definitely getting him at a value here in the ninth round. Look, the slot receiver is always the one position under an Adam Gase-led team that I'm willing to touch. I'll touch you if you're a slot receiver because I know the only player, the only position that Adam Gase knows how to game plan for and get involved for is that slot receiver. Crowder is the best receiver on the Justice season. He is going to get the most targets. He's a guy who had a pretty decent season last year. He was a guy who can consistently play as that wide receiver three, as that flex play, as that low-end wide receiver two even, week to week. And because they don't have a true one receiver, Brashad Perryman is a journeyman. What we saw at the end of Brashad Perryman was by default. It was an offense that we knew was going to throw the ball come hell or high water. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were on the field. Therefore, Brashad Perryman had to get all the targets. That's not how the Jets offense works. Sam Darnold is not aggressive by nature. Period. He's not. That's why Robbie Anderson would flounder until he get a four-game stretch at the end of the season where we catch a little bit of fire when Sam Darnold's finally like, all right, we're out of the playoffs again. I guess I'll just let it rip. That's not his game. His game is dunking it down. His game is going over the middle of the field. His game is James Crowder. So is the offense. So I like him quite a bit here, especially as a wide receiver three where we're just offering some depth and some security and some insurance. And he's that perfect insurance play here. And like I said, there's guys later on that we're going to be able to take that have, well, quite a bit of upside. Quite a bit of boom-bust big play that we're going to be able to get into in a second. So now we're coming up to the 10th round. We're going to start thinking about quarterback soon, but not yet. Because we're going, to talk, we're going to take that wide receiver that I've been talking up. We're going to take that wide receiver that I've been saying that we can go ahead, grab him, and know that we got a guy who could take the top off, who can be a league winner for a week. For a guy who we know, again, like A.J. Green, Comes with a lot of risk as the injury front, but we know when he's on the field and he is getting enough targets consistently, he's going to blow up. And I'm talking about Deshaun Jackson. That's what I'm talking about here. 
We play him as a wide receiver four. We have Cortland Sutton, Crowder, we know we can depend on. And then A.J. Green and Deshaun Jackson, where sky's the limit. Deshaun Jackson is going to be the number one wide receiver, the number one targeted wide receiver, which is probably the most important thing. Now, I stress receiver, not pass catcher. There's a very real chance that Zach Ertz will out-target everybody, which is why I have him as tight end three still, not Mark Andrews, because I still think the volume is going to be crazy towards the tight ends, towards Zach Ertz, towards Dallas Goddard. But the number one targeted wide receiver is going to be Deshaun Jackson. And I have another theory. I have another theory. Now, this isn't necessarily backed up by a lot of, you know, research evidence. This is more of a gut feel that I feel pretty strongly about that I want to share with all of you. With this season being the way it is, with this shortened offseason and only 14 padded practices and getting in a late training camp and, and no preseason games and all that, I think there's one of two things that are going to happen, or I shouldn't say one of two things. There's two things that I think will get, are going to be very effective this NFL season, especially out the gate, but possibly could last throughout the entire year. One is guys with speed are going to be ahead of the curb, and guys with more physicality are going to be ahead of the curb. So a team like the Baltimore Ravens, for instance, I think are going to be able to bully people because a lot of teams aren't going to be ready to tackle fundamentally sound. A lot of teams aren't going to be ready to match that type of physicality with only 14 padded practices early on in the season. But with your team, like the Baltimore Ravens, already have an identity or already built around that one particular thing, that's going to give you an advantage, an advantage over everybody else that they're just not really quite prepared for because they haven't had the time to prepare for it like they would have in any other instance. That's why I still have Lamar Jackson as the number one quarterback because I don't think defenses have had enough ample time to actually prepare for Lamar Jackson the way they would have if this was a normal offseason. And the same thing goes for the speed guys. The Sean Jacksons, the Henry Ruggses, the Tyreek Hills. Any guy who's a blazer, who's going to be in a starting situation, is going to have a very good chance, especially early on in the season, to make a lot of noise. Marquise Brown, another guy who popped in my head. Because along with not being able to necessarily match the physicality because of the short feud practices, but you're also going to have a lot of miscommunications. You're going to have a lot of guys who aren't possibly quite in shape come week one, come early on in the season who aren't quite ready for guys like Deshaun Jackson, who have been rehabbing since the beginning of the year last year, who are chomping at the bit and, from all accounts, sound like they're as fast as ever. That speed is going to be hard to contain while teams are still trying to get their chemistry together, while they're still trying to get their fundamentals together, while they're still trying to get their communications together. So if you give me Deshaun Jackson in a situation with no Alshon Jeffrey for the first six weeks, which is looking more and more like it's going to be the case, and he's surrounded by J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and he's surrounded by Greg Ward, and he's surrounded by Jalen Rager, who's a rookie, you're going to give me a Deshaun Jackson who's probably going to get me about eight targets a game? Playing in the NFC East? I'm going to take my chances. Will Deshaun maybe only play six to eight games? Okay. I'm going to ride him for that, though. I'm going to ride him for those games because it's going to be more than once every four weeks that he's going off with that kind of target share, especially in the first six weeks guaranteed. Deshaun Jackson is one of my favorite, favorite sleeper wide receivers. I do believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I do believe in the notes that we are going to talk about him a little bit more tomorrow too. But getting him here in this draft, especially with the way this roster construction is shaping out, makes me very excited. Makes me very excited. Now, we get an early pick here in the 11th round. We still haven't taken a quarterback. We are going to take a quarterback here. Uh, their top guys are you know Matthew Stafford, Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, who we, we talked about two weeks ago. If you didn't listen to that episode, you can listen on your favorite podcast app or go check us out on any one of your favorite video streams, uh, YouTube, Periscope, Sportscaster, Live, Facebook Live. We're on all of those, and you can go ahead and check out the best five, bus five, sleeper five quarterbacks, where I talk about how Daniel Jones is my, quarter, my QB 23, and he doesn't belong anywhere near the QB 14 like he's ranked, or his ADP is foremost boards. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Now I got that off my chest because I'm having to stare at this idiot in the face. I'm going to struggle here because we have the switch over to our rankings real quick, and our mock draft for that matter, so you can see that. 
I have Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford very close to each other. Very close to each other. Now, if we strictly stick with the rankings, I do have Aaron Rodgers at 11 while having Stafford at QB 15. So we will go Rodgers in this instance. However, I will throw this caveat out there if you find yourself in this situation staring down the barrel of Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers, and which one do you want to be your quarterback until a better streaming option comes along, which quite could possibly be the case. Or if you're talking about quarterbacks that you're looking, maybe you want a guy with more upside because you're taking one later on anyway, you're you're rolling the dice, it doesn't matter as much to you. Matt Stafford definitely has a bigger ceiling than Aaron Rodgers does. He's going to throw the ball more. He's got more than just one wide receiver to go to. He he has an offensive coordinator who's actually competent. I don't think Matt LaFleur is. So he's going to have the higher ceiling. But Aaron Rodgers, in his worst year where he played 16 games in his entire career, still finished as a QB1. Now, it wasn't where he was drafted last season. That's where a lot of people got a sour taste in their mouth. But he still finished as a QB1. And that's why I do like Aaron Rodgers a lot. I think he's going to have better production than he did last season. And that's why we're going to take him here. Now, You take Aaron Rodgers here, though, as my one last tidbit before we go ahead and actually take him. You take Aaron Rodgers here knowing that this isn't the Aaron Rodgers of old, where you're just going to automatically plug and play him every single week. If you run yourself into a tough matchup that you don't like, this isn't Aaron Rodgers now that you could definitely stream for a better option or pick up another option for those weeks here and here, here and there. So this, you're not taking Aaron Rodgers with the same mindset that you are tied to him every single week because he's Aaron Rodgers. That's not the mindset to have. The mindset to him is have you have the uh, mindset that he's a low-end QB1 who can be replaced in certain matchups. That's the mindset that you have. But we're here in the 11th round, taking a guy that pretty much played at his floor last season. I feel pretty good about it, and we're going to take him right there. Now, my hope is, honestly, that if you could pair up a Rodgers and Matthew Stafford and you don't want to have to worry about streaming, given the the team that we have here, I would do that. Now, we're not going to be able to do that in this mock draft because Stafford comes off the board here. But that is something that I would consider if I found myself in that opportunity to be able to take advantage of that fact. But now we're sitting here. We're in the 12th round. We're getting we're looking for sleepers. We're looking for upside. We got good running backs. We have good depth at receiver now. We have our key tight end. That's another position. Quarterback and tight end are the two positions that if I can just draft one of those guys, that's what I want to do ultimately because I want to open up as many roster spots as I possibly can, especially in a league that you're talking about where you're going to be drafting a defense and a kicker at some point. You want to keep as many roster spots open as you can for value, for value pieces. But like I said, now now we're looking for where's the sleepers? Where's the guys that we can get the value for that have a chance to pop? And when you're getting into these rounds, the guys that have the best chance of popping are going to be the wide receivers. There's still going to be guys that you can go to in these rounds that are going to have really quite possibly high ceilings. I'm talking about the Sammy Watkins. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is a guy who could have a high ceiling. You're still, you're still playing on Chiefs offense, still playing on Patrick Mahomes, still number two receiver as of now, still the guy who's in line for six to eight targets and what very well should be the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Taking him in the 12th round, he's got a high ceiling. I'm not saying we're definitely going to take him here, but he's one of the guys available. Brandon Ayuk, sitting in a situation where he could be quite interesting with no Debo Samuel early on, some targets heading his way for the San Francisco 49ers who actually have a Pretty favorable schedule to open the season. Paris Campbell's way too high here. That's ridiculous. Uh, James Washington actually just got a little bit banged up, so a little tidbit for you uh, on him there. Michael Pittman, which I don't think anybody was surprised if he actually led the Colts in touchdowns, possibly. Tyro Williams is here. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk recently about Tyro Williams not being the featured guy. He's just not going to be featured in the way that he was featured last season as far as the volume of targets, but this is still going to be their number one red zone threat. This is still going to be the number one receiver when it comes to targets. Still talking about a lot of rookies that they're going to try to depend on. They're going to have rookie lumps, and you know, Tyra Williams, is if he really is truly over the hill of the plantar fasciitis issue, he should be okay. He should be fine. So now, who do we have? I'm pretty sure I already know who I have ranked highest here, but let's go ahead and check that out for you guys. 
of those guys. We mentioned Sammy Watkins. We mentioned Brandon Ayuk. We mentioned um, Tyra Williams. Mentioned a number of those guys. And the guy we have ranked the highest, although I do have to say, there was one other guy here that I did not mention that I thought I saw available. I could be dreaming. The guy I was thinking about was Preston Williams. I don't know. Yeah, he was taken. We're not going to, I didn't want to get too much into him anyway, because we are going to get into him in tomorrow's episode. So Sammy Watkins would be our highest ranked guy here. Wide receiver 45. He would be our wide receiver five in this instance on this team. And like I said, you're taking a guy who's just in a great situation and is still the second receiver to Tyreek Hill. It's not Mecole Harmon. It's still Sammy Watkins. Whether, however you feel about that, that's your prerogative. I still feel like when Sammy Watkins is right in the head and he's right physically, he's still a pretty talented guy. And we're just taking shots on people. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to take shots on the guy who's in a good situation. Come back, we get the high pick in the 13th round. So obviously we still need defensive kicker. We're going to be waiting at least another round for that. And we're still just trying to add depth. We're still just trying to add upside. And being that we're in a situation that we're in, we have good depth everywhere we look. Now there's two guys that I'm going to bring up here, and they're actually not wide receivers. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go to running backs here. And the two guys that I have my eye on are Justin Jackson and Malcolm Brown. Now, because this isn't a standard league, it's it's not going to be Malcolm Brown in this instance because whether it's Cam Akers or it's Darrell Henderson, Malcolm Brown's not going to be involved in the passing game. We 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 know this. We know that's 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 going to be the case. But he, I do expect him to be the goal line back. But we we have talked about that. So we're going to go with Justin Jackson. We know Austin Eckler is not going to get twenty carries a game, but we also know that with Anthony Lynn sticking with Tyrod Taylor, that the Chargers are going to be a much more run-oriented team than they ever were with Phillip Rivers. We do know that. Justin Jackson has been running as number two, and I'm glad because I was so sick and tired of how Joshua Kelly can make... Joshua Kelly is not an explosive athlete. He's not a guy who moves the chains or does anything for me on any level when watching his film. He's just a guy. And he's not better than Justin Jackson. And throughout camp, it's been Eckler and it's been Jackson. And Joshua Kelly, they say, is a buried third stringer. So Justin Jackson is going to be the guy who spells Austin Eckler, who works in with Austin Eckler. And because of that, between rushing, receiving, because he can do both, there's a decent chance this is somebody we're talking about who could see 10 to 12 touches a game because of the way this offense is going to shape up. Take that as my RB6. Thank you very much. With a quarterback who's mobile and therefore boosts you automatically in the 13th round where we're just trying to take the upside anyway. Yeah. I like Justin Jackson there. Now here's where I like to get a little tricky. If I find myself in a league where I'm drafted, I have to draft a defense and a kicker. Because those positions are so volatile. I want to make sure that I'm getting the best defense and the best kicker. And the way to do that is to go around earlier than conventional wisdom would tell you. Conventional wisdom is that you wait till the 15, 16 round to go with your defensive kicker. Whatever order you want to do it, that's up to you. I'm different. Give me an elite player at every position. Give me the mismatch. Give me the advantage at every position that I possibly can. We already have depth. We already have a million running backs and a million wide receivers. We have our quarterback. We have our tight end. Taking another piece for the sake of taking another piece doesn't make any sense in here. We're going to have to start a defense. We're going to have to start a kicker. So take him in the 14th round. Take him in the 15th round. Get a round ahead of your league so you can get the top ones at each position. Always look for ways to get advantages. That's another way you can do it. And while those positions are volatile, if you're getting the top defense, or if you're getting the pick of the top defenses, if you're getting the pick of the top kickers, those are less so, less less volatile. More things that you can kind of attach yourself to, more things you can kind of count on in those situations. Now, typically speaking, I will take my defense before my kicker. 
Uh, because the defense is more volatile than the kicker is. So you want to be able to try to take your pick from the best defenses that you possibly can. And I'm trying to find the defenses that are actually available uh, where they are. I see kickers. I don't see defenses. There's got to be defenses here. We're taking them. As we look through, though, so just to kind of, with our rankings, just so you guys know, I mean, we have, you know, the Steelers' defense is our number one. Um, and the Patriots' defense was hard because they were, they were our number one for a while, but after you know Hightower drops out, after they had so many key pieces, Chung, it just winds up being a bad situation where they're not going to be the same team. Period. I don't know how you can possibly think that this defense is going to be the same as it was last year. And it was, I mean, it was borderline record-breaking a season ago. It really was. It's not going to be the same. I finally found defenses. Of course, the Steelers are off the board, so are the 49ers. So our next defense that we have ranked actually is going to come as a shock to a lot of you. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Is our next defense. As I try to pull it up here for you so you can kind of see it on the stream. If you're listening on the podcast, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And while this is definitely not a number two defense from an NFL standpoint, by any stretch of the means, from a fantasy standpoint, because our offense does what it does and because Steve Spagnola is so good for what they need defensively, this is a defense that from a fantasy standpoint gets a lot of points, gets a lot of fantasy points because they get turnovers, they get sacks. They're always up. They're always playing up from two scores. They can pin their ears back and go. They can play one-dimensional football. They have good special teams. Every year, especially since you know Andy Reid has been running that offense and that offense has been high flying as it is now, especially now with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs' defense has finished as like a top five fantasy defense. It's not conventional wisdom. It's not what you would think. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's a lot different than what conventional wisdom would be when you're looking for these great defenses. Now, obviously, they're not valued there. I mean, they're valued at eight. But that's the defense we're going to go with. Now, would I begrudge you if you know some of the defenses that are in front are the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, the Patriots, the Saints? Would I begrudge you if you took any one of those defenses ahead of the Chiefs? No. NFL-wise, they're all better defenses. And they're going to be decent. But I'm telling you right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, when it comes to fantasy, throw out what you think of them as an NFL defense. Look at the fantasy points. Look at what actually matters for your team. Chiefs are always there. They're always there putting up numbers. Always. Now we come up to the 15th round and the 16th round. This is where we're going to go kicker. Because, again, I want to be around ahead. And Justin Tucker is our number one kicker. You could go Harrison Buckner. I'm not going to begrudge you there either because it's always valuable to have. First of all, Harrison Buckner is a good kicker in his own right. But it's always very valuable to have the number one kicker on the number one offense. He's always going to score more. I just trust Justin Tucker so much because a lot of these leagues, especially when you're drafting defense kickers, you're going to get those minus points whenever they miss, and he just doesn't miss. And we know the Baltimore Ravens offense is pretty good. They were number one last year. So we're going to feel pretty good about that. So we take Tucker. So now we have an elite defense. We have an elite kicker. This is what I'm talking about. Now we come back in the 16th round, and now we just take a sleeper. Now we just take whoever the best sleeper is available on the board. It doesn't matter what position it is. We're totally free to take somebody who we just think has the most upside. And I'm telling you what, I'm looking at this list and I'm looking at our roster construction, which is always a big key in this situation. And knowing that Aaron Rodgers isn't a guy that I want to go with every single week, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to take a quarterback here, a guy who's on the board, the guy I value quite a bit, the guy who I think has a lot of sleeper potential, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. He is RQB 14. Which I know it's a lot higher than a lot of than most people uh, would have him at, but think about that offense. Think, you have Matt Rule, Joe Brady, both offensive minds, both exciting, both new, both fresh. DJ Moore, you bring in Robbie Anderson, which I thought which I thought was a great pickup by them. You bring in, or well, you don't bring in. You have Curtis Samuel, you have Ian Thomas, you have Christian McCaffrey. You have a defense that's horrible. So you're going to have to have a ton of volume. 
And Teddy Bridgewater, who has shown that he is, at at worst, a competent-level quarterback, but you're putting him with weapons, and he has something to prove. Guy coming back from the injury hasn't had a chance to really start for a team yet, be the guy. This is his first chance getting his chance to be the guy. In an offensive system, that fits him. That won't ask him to do too much. That is built around attacking the intermediate, the short-range part of the field, spreading the ball out, getting guys in mismatch situations. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater is not the most aggressive guy by nature. But this is going to be a high-volume team. And I think this is somebody, at the very least, he has a high floor. And because of the weapons, because of the offense that he has, has as bottom as much of ceiling as anybody and has a real chance that he could sneak, sneak in as a low-end QB1. He's somebody who gets slept on constantly. In the 16th round, when I have Aaron Rodgers and I already have this offense that I and this, this team that I have where I have so much depth on, on all these positions... I'm pulling that trigger, and I feel pretty good about it. We wind up getting a B plus again. I don't care about draft grades. I'm actually surprised we got that high of a grade. Normally, don't because we're drafting very differently from the rest of the ADP here using the MD's Fantasy Football Show rankings. But that team—that's a championship team. That's a team that has no weaknesses, and it's a team that has a lot of valuable assets that you can utilize to trade. Before we sign off here, I didn't get to do any live reads. There is only uh, one live read that I want to go over with you because they're a very important sponsor to us because they are actually going to be joining the show because we're going to be doing DFS special edition episodes throughout the year. And they are called the DFS Doctors, daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. The DFS Doctors are a team with 7-plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high-quality FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. Their goal is for you to win big without having to spend hours researching yourself. Now, if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you'll get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter or at CouchSmackSports.com. I felt that was a very successful mock draft. I had a lot of fun with it. We will be back next week with the full point mock draft and, of course, another best five, bus five, sleeper five for the tight ends next week. But we're gonna more importantly, we're going to be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to have the best five, bus five, sleeper five wide receivers, which is always going to be an important episode. And if you haven't checked out the running backs, the quarterbacks that we had last week, or the standard mock draft, make sure you do so on your favorite podcast app or watch us on YouTube, Facebook Live, Periscope, or Sportscaster Live. All these places at the MD Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you all. Everyone keep staying healthy. I'm going to see you guys tomorrow. I cannot wait. Be easy till then. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 